Hello everyone and welcome back to Indirect Message. Lacey Green here coming at you from beautiful San Francisco this week. I hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. The holiday season is here. It's the most stressful time of the year, at least to me. So I hope you're all taking care of you as we roll into 2020. Today, I wanted to try something a little bit different. I had originally planned to explore parasocial relationships this episode, the sacred relationship shared between YouTubers and their viewers, but also any public figure and the people who watch them. So I hit up my buddy Tom, known on YouTube as Tomska, for a chat about it. But during our conversation, we ended up touching on a bunch of interesting topics and questions why we're so critical of do-gooders, the ethics of cashing in on fan interactions, and why it's so much easier to be brutally honest with millions of strangers than your closest friends. So instead of sharing a story and some thoughts, I'm gonna let our experiences do the talking on this one. Basically, just let the interview run, mostly uncut. Tom and I first found friends in each other on YouTube in 2013, and Sweet Pea Dating App the official partner of Indirect Message hopes to help you find even more than that. Sweepy helps connect you to potential lovers and life mates who share your values, your goals, and interests. So if quality connections and meaningful conversations are your thing, give it a try. You can download Sweepy on the App Store, and every download really helps me out. Thanks so much, you guys. <clears throat> a little introduction. My guest today is Tom Ridgewell, aka Tomska. He's an OG YouTuber, and he rose to fame for his animated videos like Ad's Def Movie, Ed's World, and Crash Zoom. His videos have amassed well over a billion views at this point, which is a huge accomplishment. As a person and a vlogger, Tom is better known for his dark sense of humor and his openness about his personal life online. In case you were wondering why I thought he might be a great fit here. <laughs> I hope you enjoy our conversation. This is going to be purely anecdotal. I mean, I'm not even a philosopher, so... I think we're all philosophers, honestly. Whoa, that's the most Californian thing you've ever said. Did you, like, rip a fat joint before you said that? <laughs> I don't smoke weed. That sounds like a lie, but okay. It's not a lie. I used to be a stoner, but not anymore. I started getting panic attacks. Oh, oh, that sounds ironic. Yeah, it's a little bit, but that's actually a common thing that happens. I know you guys don't know much about the weed over there, but a lot of people get anxiety from it. Anyways, well, I'm really excited to have you on, A, because you're, you know, a YouTuber, but also because I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only do we have, like parallel upbringings in our own little fucked up ways but we've also got like s similar experiences online in the worst ways you think we have similar experiences online yeah well as a woman i have experienced a lot <laughs> <laughs> no i think we're both people I, wasn't even thinking about I think we're both people that have been uh disliked i think we both uh hit similar hornet's nests yeah i was also thinking about like the depression part oh that too yeah i guess that's yeah uh, we're both like sadder people than a lot of people on YouTube. Yeah, I, 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 
I still don't really know if YouTube makes people depressed, but it definitely exacerbates it. Like, if you are predisposed to depression, YouTube will kick that off in a big way. A therapist will tell you not to compare yourself to the achievements of others, but on a platform like YouTube, that is literally your job, is to look at what other people are doing, how they're doing it better than you, and it was just like, you know what, I'm just going to make videos, and if that's that's sustainable, cool. And it is sustainable. You sustained. It's catching up with me now for sure. It's definitely winding down or and has been winding down for a couple of years for me. And that's okay. I accept that. I'm old. Do you actually accept that? Or are you trying to tell yourself that? Oh, no, I do. I do genuinely accept it. Like, you know, I'm, I, I've been making YouTube videos 13 years or so. And if it's time, that's that feels right. Um, I want to talk to you about a lot of that stuff today and specifically about, well, when I texted you, I was like, you know, your relationship with the internet and, you know, being internet famous or whatever. But really what I think that means, at least to me, is your relationship with millions of people who have a relationship with you in like a lot of different dynamic ways. Mm -hmm. And you may not even be aware of those relationships, but they are happening and they are blossoming with everything that you post online. Oh, absolutely. That thing has freaked me out a lot. It's actually funny um we actually first met i think a bit not in real life but i first contacted you because uh, i was doing uh, this sex ed video called the sex talk and i and i, I you were a sex educated youtuber I, i'd been watching your videos i respected them and and they'd been very helpful for me as well you know i wanted you to review the script um and what's funny is that the reason i even made those videos was because of realization i had um, about the relationship I had with my audience, having met so many people and then comparing that with things like, honestly, rape statistics. And I, I randomly came across these like horrible numbers and then I compared them with the numbers of my audience and I had a, a, a couple of realizations, which is, you know, like one, so many members of my audience statistically X amount are going to be victims of abuse. Um, and then I realized, oh shit, well, statistically then X number of them are going to be the causes of that abuse they are the, the abusers and i had this overwhelming um sense of obligation to do anything about that 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 was like the start of a big change in the way i approached my relationship with my audience would you say that was what facilitated your foray into social justice activism oh big time yeah yeah super duper big time you felt some sense of responsibility to your viewers it wasn't just that i yeah i felt a sense of responsibility and wanted to act on that and in the same way that I think a lot of the same rabbit hole a lot of people go down when it's like I have to do more I have to be better is you start then looking at other people and going why aren't you doing more why aren't you being better I'm being better than you I'm the betterest fuck you <laughs> and um that's like that was the two-pronged attack uh mm. <laughs> I was like I didn't just go in with good intentions I had the best intentions and I was the best at it why do you think it like turned into that where it was something where you were doing it for your fans and then maybe you started doing it for you I, th I think that might just be one of the pratfalls of the world of, of social justice and I think really any form of activism um no, not even activism. I think it's literally just part of the human condition. And it's the same with, even if you get into a, an, into a genre of music, you know, I, I acted the same way with social justice activism, the way that I did with getting into ska music, where I was like, I like this music to, I'm, I know everything about this music to, you guys don't know enough about this music. I'm so good at knowing about this music. And it, it's, it, it happens with so many things. People are like, I don't want to eat meat. And then suddenly they don't want you to eat meat either. Or they want to worship this god, and then they don't want you to worship other gods or do things that god doesn't like. It's just a thing that we do. We get very tribal. I think it is human. 
But when you add the human to the internet, you get something that doesn't feel very human anymore. You get bravery. You get unlimited bravery. I've said before that I think anonymity cures cowardice. You know, you are no longer accountable. No one's going to smack you in the face, um, which is a thing that maybe we just need more of as a society. Um, is that is that like that that fear of consequence? Uh, you know, not necessarily physical, but you know, when you are on the internet, you can literally just say whatever the fuck you want to anyone about anything, and you're gonna get away with it. And it makes you so brave, so so brave. Do you think there's a flip side to that coin? Where maybe, like, people have too many consequences for saying benign shit. I think that that comes with when you start down a certain path of trying to be better. Whether or not you tell other people they're not good enough, you suddenly get put in the spotlight and you receive an intense amount of scrutiny. I mean, you're one of the, the people I looked at as, as kind of an example of, of that phenomenon where it was, you know, even if you didn't call out that many people people would be angry at you and then would scrutinize you to an obscene degree. Um, and, and this happened to me as well when I was trying to, you know, be better. I was getting more criticism than when I'd just been completely unchecked. And it's because people were aware that I was trying to be better. And maybe because I was trying to be better, they felt like I was trying to be better than them, which to an extent I definitely was. And it made people want to call out every little thing I did, every microaggression or misstep. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? I mean, you have more experience with this than I do, for sure. Yeah. Well, this is not super related to the topic, but I am curious about it because, yeah, I agree with you. I think that people who, well, whose platforms have some moral element, like trying to do good in any way, they do open themselves up to a lot of criticism. And that's really bad because, you know, people who are trying to do well, sure, criticize, you know, give constructive feedback, but we don't want to create incentives for people to just not care, mm. you know? Or to avoid, which is something that I have run into as well. Like, I've met people who tell me, like, don't apologize. Don't try to do anything good online. Like, don't try to advocate for causes because you'll get a lot more shit mm -hmm. and it'll be harder for you. I'd argue that it is relevant to the topic because I think that critique is part of, is, is one of the many parasocial relationships that one can have with their audience. You know, initially... If someone doesn't like what you're saying or what you're doing, they just won't watch you. They won't interact with you. But once they've developed a connection, they will feel the need to try and guide you, to steer you, to give you feedback and criticism. You know, that's something you're only doing because you have built a relationship with them, at least in your head. Yeah, you're right. Have you ever had viewers break up with you <laughs> in a sense? Oh, I think we, like, yeah, we've all had those comments. Um, but how does, how does that affect you? I mean, for some people, they're like, I am unsubscribing. I don't support you anymore. Now there's the Patreon element. So a lot of people threaten to pull out financial support. How have you dealt with those situations, which, yes, inevitably come up with some people more than others? I guess it really depends on the reason they've unsubscribed. You know, if it's like, I don't find this funny anymore, that's that's fine and dandy. I think a lot of the time when people have unsubscribed, they've given me a reason that I'm fine with. I watched a YouTube video where a guy um, responded to being told someone was unsubscribing to him by showing a bathtub full of water and then he just like dipped out like a thimble worth of water onto the floor and then and it was just like i don't give a fuck that's that's all you were and while that is you know an arrogant way to look at things it is it does help put things into perspective sometimes of like you know what you've lost one person it's okay unless you have four subscribers in which case that's quite a lot of people do you think people sometimes pretend like they're not hurt 
<laughs> well, the, the the louder someone is like, I don't give a fuck, usually means the more they give many fucks. Do you experience that sort of situation uh, similarly to friendships or romantic relationships where people say, oh, well, time to go our separate ways? Or usually, in my experience, don't actually say it. They just go. Maybe I'm not the best person to ask that to because I think in, in my life I've been the, the dumper of people. Have you? Yeah, I've ended every relationship I've been in um and i've controlled the flow of most friendships i've had but there definitely was a period um when i first got really hit with depression when i first got diagnosed that i had been such a strain on the people around me that i did i did uh, push away a lot of people so i think a lot of people just realized i was just too much work and our relationship never really recovered um but other than that i've I've always been the one to push people away almost famously so you know that there's there's this pretty intense event in my history where i went completely bonkers and wrote like these emails to all of the toxic relationships people in my life and said we shouldn't know each other anymore uh, like 5 a.m oh oh yeah that was super super good healthy and well executed you know the only defense i have is i it was my first week on antidepressants okay my brain went funny actually ssris do fuck you up a lot yeah in the beginning i mean i mean like i could have backtracked it but like the thing the damage was done and i realized that like i said it for a reason so i stuck by it the way you are describing it sounds kind of catastrophic you know the flip side of this is that you've been extraordinarily successful at building relationships through the screen with millions of people for a very long time you've like done the marathon yeah i would say marathon is the right word not extraordinarily successful i've been able to keep it very you know um steady i never i never like hit that kind of point when i was a famous youtuber like what are you holding yourself to pewdiepie standards not necessarily just felix but you know even the 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 markipliers the jenna marbles the shane dawson's like they're, they're these big household names and even though at one point i came very close um i even overtook some of those channels you know i never i think i never really hit that like household name thing but what i what i have that maybe some other channels didn't is that i i had this stability and stable growth you know like you think about fred like that's a channel that showed up exploded and then just fucked off i mean a lot of uh, you know a comment that i see a lot is, is like wow this guy's still here and it's like that would be a depressing comment were it not on a video that had millions of views. Why would it be a depressing comment though? I feel like someone who continues to make videos in spite of having no views, in spite of maybe losing the spotlight, is doing it because they love it. People love the rise. You know, they love the rise of the channel, but then as soon as someone the spotlight goes somewhere else, which it does every five minutes, it's seen as like sad, you know, well, or or pathetic. And I think that's wrong it's not sad that's beautiful they're not doing it for fame or people they're doing it because they like it well am i wrong i think it depends on the creator no i think i think your opinion is is super valid and i i i really like that attitude but you know even i sometimes do see creators that you know i saw have the the one point well they still have maybe a million two million subscribers and they they bring in maybe five thousand views and they're still doing their thing exactly the way they used to do it and it does sometimes come off like an aging opera singer singing to an empty auditorium um and it it is kind of sad like when it's when it's someone who's clearly just made a pivot and they just they're just now back to being a normal human being loving their life and sharing with people that's that's fine but sometimes it does feel like someone's just stuck and they don't know what else to do and that's something i do fear um you know, I think that that in itself is me being guilty of my own 
form of a parasocial relationship with creators i watch where i am holding them i'm projecting i'm holding them to the same standards i would i would hold myself i'm thinking man i I would feel really pathetic if i were doing that so i assume Mm. they must feel pathetic they must hate themselves in the way that i would and not only are we all recipients of these parasocial relationships we have them every single one of us with the creators we watch you've been to events i'm sure you've seen creators that you have this deep connection to and they have no fucking idea who you are I honestly don't think I have that relationship with many YouTubers. Have you had it with any? I feel like maybe there was one time I fangirled, but I can't remember who it was. Oh, you know who it was? It was um, Sam Shui, the singer. I was so excited to meet him, but that's pretty much it. (laughs) That's fair. I've never had the relationship with YouTubers that some people have with me, I don't think. What the hell? Silence your cell phone. I'm sorry, that was an alarm. Nothing gotta, is more important than this conversation. I gotta take right my SSRIs. Uh, that's admissible then. Actually, it's, it's pretty problematic if you shame me for that because... <laughs> we both know I'm very problematic. Big time. It's part of who I am. Um, do you, I guess, uh, running with that a little bit, do you think of your fans as friends? I mean, I have made friends with fans before there's there's this jokingly interim stage i have called when they're friends Friends. Um, it's cute it's not uncommon for me in my incredibly chaotic and unprepared life to tweet out i need a sound guy or i need someone to do this job real quick and then you know if we vibe then we, we end up getting a drink or hanging out that is something i would apply only to getting to making friends i would never date someone uh, using that method though you would never date a fan oh absolutely not that is that for me that would be super duper fucked up um I, I could not put aside the knowledge that like they have that it is a parasocial relationship that there is a power dynamic and also i could never really trust their motives um that that's yeah. the, the very scary part like i don't know if i'm suddenly gonna get doxxed or uh, i'm gonna get some like sleeping nudes leaked i don't know i also don't really make a dating pool out of the people that watch my videos obviously but um you know people who are friends of mine because so many people have turned around and like been assholes to me who i thought were friends of mine online it's hard for me to really dive into those relationships yeah that that makes a lot of sense when when you're a popular creator um and i'm sure this goes for a lot of other fields i've definitely found that people project onto me Especially at a period in my life when I was really hot shit on YouTube. A lot of the friends I had that were also really trying were building this picture of me in their head that they were making themselves. That, that I was convinced I was better than them. The, the, the insecurities they would have, they would massively project onto me. Oh, God. And you go, and you, yeah. go into, you go into friendships and relationships. Like often when I meet people, I try, you know, they genuinely don't know who I am. I try to avoid what I do. And even if I'm like, I'm a YouTuber, they'll say, how many subscribers do you have? And I'll go, ah, you know, I've got a few. Because if I say six million, suddenly the... The whole tone changes, and they're like, "Oh, so you're like you're like a big fucking deal." And suddenly you're on the back foot, and you're having to like prove yourself to them. And they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, well, if you're so, you know, it's like if you tell someone you're a comedian, they're like, "Oh, well, tell me a joke then." Um, yeah. And and so like I've had a lot of friendships get poisoned. I I, I friendships fall apart as early as 2010 because I was now making money on YouTube. You're jealous of your hundred dollars. <laughs> well i had people who were like you know like oh well we're in your video so why aren't we getting a cut of it and it's like guys i made 50 pounds off this video yeah uh and and i spent like 300 making it yeah and people have super skewed ideas about how much people make too they look at creators like felix and 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 their mansions and stuff and they go like oh well you do the same thing you must also be a millionaire um it's kind of funny there's like uh there there's every there's the entire 
wealth spectrum on YouTube, right? Oh, for sure. Like, I think, I think the highest earners are actually like eight-year-olds that open toys. Love that. It's interesting we're all thrown into the same um, bucket, right? No matter mm -hmm. where you're at in terms of your socioeconomic status on YouTube. Do you ever feel kind of weird about the money involved? Like weird about monetizing your relationship with people? No, I guess I've always tried to be upfront about it. Or at least if I haven't before, I definitely am now. What a lot of YouTubers trade on is relatability. And if you make money, uh, especially if you make a lot of money, someone's not going to feel like they have anything in common with you. So they, you focus on the things that you do like, you know, so if I make a vlog, I often am focusing on how I like to play video games and go to the cinema and, and not on how stressful taxes are, because that will put people off if, if you do that. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, even in the early days of YouTube, people were, <laughs> I remember people being so mad when YouTubers would sell t-shirts. Oh, it's so funny. It was, it was so it was so weird. Like I, I think I kind of just missed that because I, 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 my channel wasn't really monetizable. But I would see creators be like, you know, as you guys know, I, I you know, I've, I would never sell much. I respect you too much. And stuff like that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Sell a t-shirt, <laughs> man! Like Jesus, make that yeah. bread. I have a weird relationship with money with my audience in that I hate Patreon. I don't hate the actual service. I think it's wonderful, but I hate my my own personal relationship with it. Like I, I hated what felt like ticking pennies from a very small dedicated chunk of my audience. So I, I ended up having to delete it. Um, so I, I actually say, you know, if you want to support me, share my videos or, or buy a t-shirt. Like that's, that's plenty. That's more than enough. I guess that's one of the ways that these relationships between viewers and creators is a little bit different in that there is this sort of implied monetary relationship there um which also makes me uncomfortable i tried patreon for a while after my whole channel got demonetized and i just felt like bad what's funny is i think maybe we both feel that way because we were so used to it one way for so long that we can't make that pivot i don't know yeah because it comes so naturally to some creators and that's you know good for them okay if there's a youtuber i do actually watch with fair regularity it's shane and jeffrey because i sure. I just like them. I don't know. And I, I've hung out with Shane and he's really sweet. And I just get like a, a genuine vibe from them, which I don't always get. I don't know about Jeffrey so much, but I don't always get that from YouTubers. But like their relationship with money and their fans is so like it's on the table, man. Like I don't think people watch a Jeffree Star especially thinking now there's a relatable person. That's true. Um, you know, because he's not relatable. Yeah, because he's a spectacle <laughs> and his life is spectacle. And you watching him and you buying his stuff is, is investing in that spectacle. Uh, with Shane, I don't really know much about Shane, but um, yeah, I, 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 I don't really know much about Shane. That's the end of that sentence. You know, you kind of, I guess, challenged my, my characterization of you as extraordinary, extraordinarily successful. It seems like you've had an easier time with, with screen relationships. Oh, big time like i couldn't even break it to my friends that i had been diagnosed with depression so i made a fucking video about it because it was easier to talk to a lens um even knowing that there were you know a couple hundred thousand people the other side of it that old cyclops uh of a, of a canon 60d or whatever that that was more familiar and less painful than than speaking to a human being who you have to watch feel things um you know i drink um <laughs> no i think that um i watched and learned from a lot of other creators before i actually started 
sharing my life. I don't think I really started cutting off chunks of myself and putting it out there until 2011, 2012. And in that time, I had seen the damage caused by parasocial relationships to so many other creators, mm-hmm. obsessing, harassment. And so when I went into it, I, I even, maybe even subconsciously, I applied a lot of um, tactics to to cut down on that. And, and one is that I've always tried to like not keep secrets. One thing I found is that a lot of creators would develop these really intense relationships with their audiences by hiding things, by being mysterious and sexy and elusive. And that made people crazy. And they really wanted to dig and find out these things they didn't know. So I was just pretty out there. I was like, hey, this is me. What's up? It's like, you could probably figure out my address like pretty easily, but no one's going to show up there because anyone that watches my videos would know that it would just be fucking awkward. Like I'd be like, (laughs) hi, um, please don't and they'd be like yeah i'm sorry this was weird whereas there are so many creators where where their where their audience just will climb their fucking fence and i don't know what they're expecting they're in this state of mania and and mm-hmm. i think I've, I've managed to be so unsexy with my audience there's there's nothing they need to figure out i will tell them everything and then they will they don't want more that was a theory and it paid off I could have i could have easily ruined my life and it's definitely something that i as an older male could have done it's not entirely a level playing field. Like I can do and get away with things that other people can't. A lot of people that are like, oh, I want to do videos where I overshare like you do. I'm like, oh, don't, you'll get fired. You know, I I don't want to bring up um, race and, and, and gender and all that stuff, but you, it's something you do become aware of when, when you go down certain rabbit holes. And I think it is true that like as a, a straight white man, um, I can afford to be a lot more loose with the things I share and the way I handle myself online. I, I don't, disagree with you entirely i'm i am thinking of a lot of like straight white guys though who do deal with this shit like the the teenage girls climbing over the fence shit i mean maybe they're just prettier than me um (laughs) you're beautiful tom please stop disparaging yourself what what's your thought process been like negotiating boundaries with viewers um well i had to learn a lot of things the hard ways you know like what is too much um you know, I, I, I experienced depression, obviously, and I have unhealthy coping mechanisms. Um, I eat and I, and I drink and I try to be open about that, but not in a way that in any way glamorizes it. You know, if I do do something terrible, like overeat or overdrink, I will often either not go into it or just show how bad of an effect that's had so that no one would then go, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I am an influencer. I know I'm an influencer um if i won no one would buy my shirts no one would share my videos that's not true people would probably still share the videos but they wouldn't buy the merch and and people wouldn't hire me to do brand deals and i and i cannot just convince people to do good things like go see a therapist or be kind to others um but i can inadvertently convince people to be a raging asshole to be cruel or to adopt bad habits I'm not saying this to be an asshole, but do you think maybe you're overstating your impact? Like, I don't think that I have the power to create an army of little bastards. But for <laughs> me, you know, it's it's even one. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting about you and like being so open online is that you're doing something that I feel like I just literally don't know how to do. And I'm sure there are other people out there who feel that way. I, I don't even know how to open up to a camera like that was that something that that you 
learned from watching other people do it? Does does it come naturally to you to just share all that about your life? Okay, so, okay, I do have an answer for this and it will verge into some, like, probably weird... There's, there is a therapist or a psychologist out there that would have a fucking field day with me. I think, I think maybe it came as a byproduct of some sort of uh, imposter syndrome. I, I, came, I became aware that people liked me and they liked what I did. And I had obviously the very normal uh, imposter syndrome response of like, oh, well, they just don't really know me. Um, they, they, they know the image I painted of myself. And in my head, I thought, well, I know how to fight this. If I literally put everything out there, all the good, all the bad, and people still like me, then that means they really like me. That's real. That is that then then they like me for who i am warts and all um and this is something you first see in a video i made i think i don't know eight years ago called the seven floors of tom scar this was the first time i dipped my toes in that water and you see that i'm really like like oh i know you're gonna hate me after i say this and it's like such a fucking performance um but what i'm doing there is i'm trying to battle this raging imposter syndrome i'm developing and yeah like to to uh, to a degree that it did make it easier for me to accept praise um and i mean this is something i will do in my real life uh you know when i meet someone i will spill the bean i will out myself i will cancel myself right then and there in front of them i've I've done this to you um because i would rather them not be disappointed i'd rather not like a perception of me but like the real thing or the closest i can get to the real thing but then there's another level of fucked up, which is I know that that in itself is manipulative. That is coming across as that that is painting a picture of yourself as apologetic and woke and self-aware when it's just another tactic. You can you can it's literally a never-ending cycle. That's that is the answer I was looking for. Oh, good. Um, not really validation. Like, that's not what I meant. That was that was a answer to a question that I, it feels like a satisfaction satisfactory answer to the question i i get like the satisfaction of being like look just letting it all hang out like here it is and here's what's up and there's a power in that yeah um something that stood out to me in your complete history of me series that i was watching is that you've been getting to know yourself through your own videos Mm -hmm. can you speak to that a little bit yeah, I talk very openly about my life and my experiences, and it can often come off as like obsessive self-flagellation, <laughs> <laughs> and I know it does, and and I don't want it to, but sometimes you just gotta like go through some things again and again, and 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 I and I've also learned that everything you emit, people will dredge up, so um, I have to repeat myself a lot. Yeah, I think my relationship with with YouTube did affect the way I grew up and the way I processed memories and grew as a person. So I've been trying to take a step back for the past couple of years, like make sense of myself, observe who I am, how I've grown and actually process that in a more healthy way. Um, you know, like one of the most defining things that happened to me was that I, I, you know, I experienced grief and loss and that was all so public. And it was as if I never left the, the first stage of grief, you know, denial. I was just stuck there Um forever trying to piece things back together you know staying it's still good it's it's fine everything's fine and so i never really processed grief properly and that's been a big part of like why i've been trying to make sense of, of who i am you mean like the the camera maybe kept you from fully being in those feelings and going through that process definitely yeah hmm. it's been a long time it has but it's also it's also been a coping mechanism. It's been yet another unhealthy coping mechanism. 
delaying the inevitable, mm-hmm. delaying not only having to open myself up to the the real people in my life instead of opening up to the faceless masses, but also avoid dealing with myself, having to face myself. Even in the earlier stages of me admitting my own faults, maybe I was admitting it to an audience to avoid having to actually confront myself in any meaningful, introspective way. Can you do that while continuing to make videos, you think? I have no idea. I really don't. Um, I I went through a couple of years of actually vlogging every day, and that had a really weird effect on my life and my mental health, and I still don't understand what that was yet. Um, I still don't know if I was depressed while I was vlogging or if I was depressed because I was vlogging. Is it because you're seeing your, you're kind of like reframing your life through the videos that you're making? Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of studies on the effect that fame has on TV stars, movie stars, all that stuff. But YouTubers, that's got to be a largely untapped field. And it's a very different relationship, you know. It's not one that's protected by large gates and limos and bodyguards. It is you are one-on-one with these people. That's what makes it work. That's what makes you popular is that there is no PR team. Do you think that this has been a positive relationship for you overall? I don't have a parallel universe version of me to check with. So I really don't know. I de- what I do know for sure is that there are more people out there that have gained something than there would have been had I not done some of the stuff I've done. Than I had, had I not made some of the videos I've made where I've, I've talked openly about mental health um, or about my, my struggles with weight or, or all these things. Like there have been people out there who maybe wouldn't have gone to, to a therapist or maybe wouldn't have reevaluated themselves. So that's been worth it. And I have to tell myself that because otherwise it was all for fucking nothing. <laughs> As you can see, there's much to be said about bearing it all online. On the next episode of Indirect Message, we'll talk about bearing it all online again, but this time, sexually. Cam girls and fan sites like OnlyFans have forever changed the face of sex on social media. And sex is kind of my thing, so let's talk about it. I hope you have a great week, you guys. I'll be back December 18th.